This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, we dive into the haunted and bloody history of King's Tavern in Natchez, Mississippi. This building still stands today and was not only host to thousands of travelers and locals, but many say the dead still roam these empty rooms in halls. The infamous Hart brothers frequented the tavern and may have even committed one of their many murders in the attic of this building during their vicious killing spree. This, along with several other murders and crimes at the tavern, has led to a massive amount of paranormal activity. Join us as we dive into the history and hauntings of King's Tavern and the bloody tale of the Harp Brothers. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It was a stormy night, the rain drumming relentlessly against the tavern windows and the flickering candles casting eerie shadows on the wooden floors. Around midnight, as I was closing up and everyone was gone, I thought I heard a soft whimper. It was a distant cry that seemed to float from the upper floors. I froze, my heart quickening as I strained to identify the source. The cries persisted, growing steadily louder with each passing moment. Intrigued and a bit unnerved, I made my way up the narrow staircase that led to the attic. The wooden steps groaned beneath my feet as I ascended the stairs into the darkness. The cries intensified, now unmistakably resembling the desperate wails of a newborn baby. The attic door which was normally sealed shut, hung open. The room was cold and filled with a palpable tension. Antique furniture covered in dusty sheets loomed in the dim light of my flashlight, and the cries, now reaching an unbearable pitch, were coming from the shadowy corner. Trembling, I approached, my breath catching in my throat. As I reached the source, the cries abruptly ceased. It left a haunting silence in their wake. A chill went down my spine, and just when I thought the whole ordeal was over, my flashlight went out, 
plunging me into complete darkness. Panic set in as I fumbled to turn it back on. As I felt around in the darkness, making my way back to the stairs, something seized hold of the air, and the attic erupted into chaos. Plates and dishes soared through the air, propelled by an invisible force. The ghostly cries came back and reached a crescendo, merging with the chaos that unfolded around me. Terrified, I stumbled down the stairs, the phantom cries echoing in my ears until I reached the relative safety of the tavern below. The commotion ceased as abruptly as it had begun, leaving me breathless and shaken. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Haunting of King's Tavern, Natchez, Mississippi. King's Tavern was built in 1769 and is located in Natchez, Mississippi. It's the oldest structure in the historic river port city, with roots tracing back to the Spanish settlement in the 1700s. It was originally intended as a blockhouse. Established by the British around 1769, the building's construction faced challenges since there wasn't a sawmill in the frontier town. Beams decommissioned from New Orleans sailing ships transported to Natchez by mule became key components of its architecture. The riverboats, unable to navigate upstream, would be sold off by these sailors upon reaching Natchez. The wood from these boats would be repurposed, contributing to the town's construction needs. Sun-dried bricks also played a role in the building's composition. While the outside of the building has a bit of a historic charm, the inside of the King's Tavern offered a warm and inviting atmosphere. It was ideal for intimate meals, luncheons, dinner parties, receptions, and meetings. It served as a haven for travelers along the Natchez Trace Pathway. However, the tavern witnessed a decline in economic activity after the Revolutionary War when the British left town. In 1789, a man named Richard King transformed the building into a successful tavern, inn, and mail drop-off point, catering to boatmen and stage riders seeking secure lodgings. But the town also attracted some unsavory characters, including the infamous Harp Brothers, who engaged in criminal activities such as gambling, robbery, and a whole lot of murder. The Harp Brothers became known as America's first documented serial killers. Their crime spree began with stealing cattle and burning down farms, but quickly turned into a murderous rampage. Some sources claim that they were brothers who started their killing spree by murdering their parents. Others say that they were cousins and their killing spree started a little bit later. But regardless of their origin, it seemed that they would kill any man, woman, or child who got in their way. The difference between the Hart brothers and other killers is many of their killings seem to come with no motive at all, just the thirst for blood. They were born in Scotland and moved to North Carolina. Their parents were Tories and Loyalists. By the end of the Revolutionary War, the Hart brothers were teenagers who joined up with the Loyalist gangs to rape, kill, and destroy. With their parents gone, the two young men were left to fend for themselves. They ended up joining a renegade band of Cherokees but not before they kidnapped two women, Susanna Wood and Maria Davidson. And then they made their way to Tennessee, but not before they killed their partner, Moses Doss, because he paid too much attention to their women. In 1795, the Hart brothers settled into a cabin alongside Beaver Creek near the Holston River. Here there were pig farmers, and they both got married. But around town, people started noticing something a little bit odd. The town's livestock was going missing, and barns were burning down. Strangely, the Hart brothers seemed to have much more pigs than they would normally have when they went to the butcher every time to sell. 
Eventually, a posse was formed. They hunted down and captured both brothers, but as they turned towards the jail, somehow they noticed that the brothers had escaped. In 1798, their homicidal rampage began. The Harp women said that this was the turning point when their men declared war on all mankind. The Harp brothers wanted revenge on the posse that came to arrest them. They hunted down a man named Johnson in a tavern just outside of Knoxville. They dragged him out and killed him, disemboweled him, and filled his body with rocks so that the corpse would sink to the bottom of the river. It was discovered days later, drifting along. As the brothers made their way to Kentucky, they robbed and murdered a peddler named Peyton in December of 1798. They shot Packa and Bates, two unlucky men from Maryland. Bates died right away, but Packa staggered along. Big Harp used his weapon of choice, his tomahawk, and split the poor man's head open. Their next victim would be a man named Stephen Langford, who offered to buy them breakfast. After their meal, the brothers followed the man out of the restaurant, and his body was discovered a couple days later. Witnesses who were at the restaurant put two and two together, and a posse was once again formed to hunt down the Harp brothers. The entire Harp gang was arrested. Two brothers and all three of their wives, who were all pregnant at the time, were transported to Danville Jail in January 1799 for trial, but the brothers managed to escape on March 16, 1799, leaving the women behind. All three of them gave birth in jail and were acquitted in April of 1799. Despite the fact that these women were likely kidnapped in the beginning and forced to be their wives, all accounts seem to point towards the Hart brothers actually treating them relatively well, all things considered. It's likely that the women either took part or turned a blind eye to the murder spree that was going on. After being acquitted, the women found their way back to the Hart brothers. In the year 1799 would be the most bloodthirsty for the Harps. They made their way north towards Caven Rock, Illinois, where the infamous Samuel Mason and his river pirates often stayed. At this point, the brothers were killing every man, woman, and child they came across. Their next victim was a colonel's 13-year-old son, Johnny. They killed him over flour and beans, and his body was dismembered. On April 22nd of that year, Kentucky's governor put a $300 bounty on each of the brothers. The report reached the public around May, but by then, the pair had killed a man named Dooley in Metcalf County, Kentucky. This man was rowing his boat along the Barren River. The brothers stabbed him, disemboweled him, once again stuffed his body with rocks, and dumped him into the river. In July of 1799, the brothers killed a farmer named Bradbury and another man named Hardin near Knoxville. They murdered a young boy for his rifle on Black Oak Ridge. A few days after this, they murdered a man named William Ballard, disemboweled him, weighted his body down with rocks, and threw him in the river. On July 29th, they came upon two brothers and used a strange tactic that was well known. They asked the brothers to help them hunt for the evil harps. The brothers agreed and went into the woods. They started to suspect that they may be the harp brothers themselves. Just then, the harps jumped into action and attempted to grab their guns. One of them managed to escape and go for help. When he returned with a posse, he was horrified to find that his brother James was not only dead, but that his body had been, quote, much beaten and his throat was cut. Their next victims were along the Tennessee-Kentucky border, where the Harps murdered John Tully, John Graves, and his son. After that, they murdered the entire Trisward family. Quote, at least 10 men, women, and children were murdered, their bodies stripped, mangled, and hopelessly disfigured. The following month, they bashed a young boy's head against a tree, but took none of the dead boy's belongings. Then they murdered a girl in Henderson County, Kentucky, who was picking wild berries and wandered further from home when she met the Harps. 
the brothers decapitated her and, quote, cut off one leg to her body and all ten toes of her foot. Big Harp even killed his own child. Micaiah claimed that this was the only murder he ever regretted. The baby was around nine months old and was crying incessantly because it was sick. Big Harp took the child and, quote, slung it by its heels against a large tree, literally bursting its head into dozens of pieces. Then he threw it from him, as far as his great strength enabled him, into the woods. He said of the murder, quote, It cried, and I killed it. I had always told the women I would have no crying about me. Their murder spree took them down to Mississippi, where the brothers took a liking to a rowdy bar called the King's Tavern. One evening, while the harps were at the King's Tavern, the unmistakable sounds of a crying baby were coming from upstairs. In the attic room, a mother was staying with her baby, and the baby was fussy. The mother continued to try to quiet the child. Big Harp, who apparently is not a fan of crying babies, made his way up to the attic room, grabbed the baby away, swung it by its feet, and smashed its head against the brick wall, killing it instantly. He then returned to the tavern to buy another drink. Shortly after, the Harp's murder spree would come to an end. Big Harp was tracked down in Kentucky, where he was shot and detained. His head was slowly cut off while he was still alive. His last words were, You're a goddamned rough butcher, but cut on and be damned. After he was decapitated, his head was put on a pike in a tree. The Harp women were also arrested and put on trial in Russellville, Kentucky. They were acquitted and set free. Little Harp remained in Natchez, Mississippi. Then he made his way back to the Mason gang at Cave-In Rock. He began a killing spree with a man named Samuel Mason. He was an outlaw with a $2,000 bounty on his head. Little Harp decided he wanted that money, so he attacked Mason and decapitated him, preserved the head, and then gave it to the authorities to collect the bounty. The authorities recognized Little Harp and arrested him and later hanged him in February of 1804. The advent of steamboats marked the end of the perilous Natchez Trace travel, impacting the tavern's business. Richard King sold the building in 1817, and it would be used as a home for the next 150 years. In 1973, the building was re-established as the King's Tavern, serving both locals and visitors. But guests and employees began to notice that they may not be alone inside this historic building. It may come as no surprise that a building this old may have a few skeletons in the closet. Maybe a few literal ones bricked up inside the chimney. Richard King, in all of his affluence, employed Madeline, who was a captivating 18-year-old girl, as a server. Richard's attention shifted towards Madeline, and the two began to see each other regularly. When Mrs. King found out about the affair, Madeline disappeared. Whether it was Mrs. King or hired assailants, the end result was Madeline's dead body being bricked into the chimney wall of the tavern's main room. In the 1930s, when the Portsmouth family was turning the building into their home and doing renovations, while repairing the tavern's main room chimney and fireplace, they unearthed three mummified bodies, one girl and two men. It's strongly believed that the female corpse was that of Madeline. A dagger, presumed to be the murder weapon, was discovered as well. The identities of the two men remain speculative, with theories suggesting that they could have been slaves, servants, or tavern guests who irked Mrs. King, potentially falling victim to the same assailants who killed Madeline. They gave the bodies a proper burial, but this shocking revelation seemed to stir up paranormal activity within the building. After the renovations, 
people began seeing shadowy figures passing through stairways. Strangely, the fireplace where the bodies were discovered seemed to emit heat as if fuel was burning, even when it wasn't being used. It's said that after mopping the floors, a woman's footprints seemed to appear. One employee reported seeing these wet footprints appear. They were coming towards him across the wet floor. There have been sightings of an apparition of a young woman who appears in front of patrons and employees. The ghost of Madeline likes to play jokes on the staff and visitors. She's reported to knock jars off of shelves and pour water from the ceiling and onto the floor. It's said that she makes chairs rock that are hanging on the wall. Doors which have been reported to be hard to open will open on their own. And it's said if that people call out her name, the door will shut again by itself. It's said that Madeline's ghost will play with the faucets and lights. And a Natchez news team actually caught an EVP of a woman in one of the empty bedrooms. There is another entity that has been described as a man with a top hat. They believe that his spirit is more sinister. It's theorized that he could be a murder victim, or perhaps one of the outlaws himself. Waiters and waitresses at the King's Tavern believe that he has an evil persona. He's seen wearing a dark jacket, pants, and a black tie. When people take pictures near the fireplace where the bodies were found, his ghost seems to appear behind them. Visitors have also reported feeling a tightness in their necks and shoulders and pressure on their chests. Extreme poltergeist activity has been reported in the building, including dishes and plates being hurled around, smashing on walls and floors. They believe that this ghost is different than Madeline's ghost, who seems to be more mischievous. Whatever is throwing these plates seems to be doing it angrily. And it's said that in one of the upstairs bedrooms, if you take a look into the mirror, you may quickly catch a glimpse of the face of a man before he vanishes. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The King's Tavern, Natchez, Mississippi. Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 104. We're going back to Mississippi for this one. I am Jesse Wilkins. I am joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. I'm super excited for this one. We have a great guest. It's episode 104. I think I'm going to do a giveaway, and this is going to be a special giveaway. Tonight, we are going to give away Dave. No substitutions, no take backs. He's all yours. Please get him away from us. And we're also joined by Dave for now. Hello, Dave. What's up? <laughs> For now, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> the giveaway will be soon. Uh, so this is episode 104. I'm excited for this one. This one is a location that I've been looking into for a while. Tried to cover it a few weeks ago. You guys wouldn't let me. So here we are now with our episode on King's Tavern in Natchez, Mississippi. And Rob has alluded to our fantastic guest. For the second time on the show, we have Chris Feinstein from Haunted American History, also part of the Bloody FM Network. Welcome in, Chris guys thanks for having me it's great to be back and, and we didn't throw you a curveball this time we're actually doing something in the states not making you cover something outside of the states when your show is haunted american history so right that was very kind thank you i appreciate it yeah and actually chris covered this 
location uh, a couple months ago, right? Was yeah, it September? recently. August, I think. Yeah, August, September, something like that. Nice. So I listened to that episode today. It was a, a fine episode. And, uh, and there's a few pronunciations that I was like kind of out there on. One of them was Micaiah. I had heard one of his relatives, actually, one of his descendants has written a few books on the Harp brothers. And oh, I, I believe... thought you were just going to say on the pronunciation of his name. <laughs> I wish like he did. Long. Someone helped struggling with this, <laughs> struggling with this. But I believe in that interview, he pronounced it Micaiah. So that's kind of how I went into it. And then I was like, wait a second, let me listen to other people say this because I'm uncomfortable. So you pronounce it Micaiah. So I trust yeah. you and no. many, <laughs> many YouTube videos pronounce it the same way. And then um, there's also Madeline who was pronounced Madeline. And I'm pretty sure I said Madeline a few times, but those kind of go here and there, right? Yeah. Madeline, it's always Madeline. good to point it out too. Like it, just in case you weren't sure, just making sure that you point it out for everybody yeah. really yeah. helps the situation. But I believe the going consensus is it is Madeline, which is the main ghost that haunts the King's Tavern, right? Yep. Yes. Yes. This well, is the only Matt, reason I brought you on. It was just to correct me. It was just to correct you. Well, you brought the wrong person on the show then, because I do not pronounce anything correctly. I get Perfect. called out constantly. Well, then without further ado, we're going to remove Chris and go to our backup guest who actually gets names correct. No, I'm just kidding. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so well, welcome back on the show. How, how's everything been going with, with your show? What do you got going um, on? It's good. I'm still uh, traveling around the States, doing state by state the best way I know how, alphabetically. And uh, yeah, I'm in, I just finished up North Carolina and North Dakota is next, which is nice. booming with paranormal. It's, there's so much. We covered North Dakota, a small little ghost town in North Dakota last week. And let me tell you, I couldn't, there was just so much information in the yeah. whole state. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I was, I was super excited. No, I yeah. listened to your North Carolina episode today on my three hour commute home and it was really mm -hmm. good. So. I actually I listened to it, it seven times on that commute. So yeah, that would add up to about seven hours. <laughs> yeah, three hours, seven times. Yes. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about King's Tavern in Natchez, Natchez, Mississippi. And Natchez is like it's had this reputation forever, where it was just like this really bad place to go to. And I remember when I moved to Mississippi and I was young, you still heard about. Natchez, Mississippi, and like all the bad stuff that used to happen there. Never went there myself, but it, it did make the rounds in topics of discussion. So it's it's got a reputation. And with a reputation like that, clearly things are going to be haunted, right? You would think. I mean, uh, in the grand scheme of things with the United States, Natchez is one of those towns that is ancient. But mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the world, it's still an infant. But for, you know, for America... It's one of those old, old towns. And with old towns, you get a lot of old stories and a lot of folklore passed down and a lot of ghost stories that morph and take take uh, they take a mind of their own, some of them. And they become just what you get today with the, these these ghost stories and with, you know, Madeline, Madeline and uh, all the things that go on at King's Tavern. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a ton of that ton going on there. And there was so much along the river. And we also had river pirates. River Pirates. Yes, yeah. which is so awesome. We finally get River Pirates again, but they would basically set up camp right along the river and do pirate things. And so Natchez was kind of like a hotbed for criminal activity. Oh, pirates, pirates, pirates. Oh, yes. There it is. It's been a while since we used a four stack of pirate hats, but there we go. <laughs> Dave was positioned perfectly. He didn't have to move at all. 
God. He knew. He was waiting. He was waiting. Yeah. Anyways, but it, you had a, all sorts of, of robberies, murders, just pirate things going on on this river. And when you think of pirates, you usually don't think of rivers, right? But this is not our first time covering river pirates on this podcast. And we've had it before. What, what was the other episode that had river pirates? I feel like it was Michigan. Yeah. Michigan feels Michigan, right. Michigan, yeah. Up in the gr- Great Lake areas. Yeah. Well, would I that be river it. pirates or would that be lake pirates? There's lake pirates as well. We have to differentiate this too. Oh. Every pirate has its day, they say. <laughs> we talked about lake pirates in the uh, Oswego, New York episode, but I don't know if we covered lake pirates like in depth. River pirates or lake pirates? Clearly there's a difference, Dave. Lake pirates. Did I say river pirates? It's a different type, bigger boat. We're, we're looking for river pirates. But we were also talking about lake pirates. If Dave was a pirate, he'd be a puddle pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could probably move on from pirates. We have, but th- this was part of the history, and this is part of why it earned such a, a dark reputation. Is not only did you have your everyday crimes that went on, you also had river pirates, and then you had the absolute slangs from the Hart brothers. Now the Hart brothers wasn't only in Natchez. In fact, they were only there for, I think, a little while. It seems like due to the history of of the tavern, they do say that they frequented the establishment um, frequently. Frequented. So they, they did show up there a few times. Uh, I think Little Harp may have hid out there for a while because after his brother was rounded up, he kind of stayed back in Natchez afterwards. And then eventually he went back to Cave in Rock, which was where uh, he linked up with the other river pirate there, Mason. I'm forgetting their names now. But The one with a $2,000 bounty. That's a big bounty for that time. For that time period, that is insanity. Yeah, yeah, talking, big, talking about basically bucks. the year, you know, 1800 pretty much. And that's I mean, it's, $3 billion today if my calculations <laughs> are correct. Yeah, I think that's, with judging by inflation, I think that's... That's a serious bounty because as, as far as I could tell, and I've, I did my fair share of research on the bounties that were placed on the Harp brothers, I think the highest that they got was like a $300 bounty. So for this guy to have a $2,000 bounty. Yeah. yeah what was he doing? Well, like, yeah. Cause they were pretty bad. Those guys. <laughs> Cause these dudes were, they were, they were just inserting rocks into everybody's body to yeah. like, it would be like 50 grand. What would be they, with, in, with inflation that, inflation. that, yeah, that's a that's a that's a serious bounty. That's a that's a lot of money. I mean, so it it's no no joke as to why Little Harp decided that he was just going to behead this guy and bring it in and and take the bounty for himself. But unlucky for him and lucky for everybody else, and God knows how many more victims they would have had. He was recognized when he brought in the head, and mm-hmm. that's when he was uh, he was rounded up and arrested. But these guys were they were killing without. They spared nobody. It it seemed that they were killing men, women, children. By the end of this, they they were babies. They were killing their own babies. Like they now, they had three children that that managed to survive. So they didn't kill all of them, but Mm -hmm. they were they were just killing their baby. They 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 theorized that they killed multiple of their of their own offspring, which is just the worst kind of people. It's it's insane. So did you? I didn't hear you cover it in the opening portion. Did you hear about their link with one of the ghost babies in the King's Tavern? So I've, there, go ahead. There is there is a story where 
allegedly, and there's no documentation on this, but allegedly a baby was crying and the Hart brothers were getting annoyed by the crying of the mm-hmm. child. And they ended up killing the infant child in the King's Tavern. And now it is said that you can sometimes hear a crying child on the second floor when no one is up there. So Yeah, they believe it's in the attic. So so that killing allegedly happened in the attic. I've seen a lot of websites mention this, and some of them don't. And I do wonder if it's a legend or if it actually happened. Now, there's a lot of news articles on on Stuff these brothers do. and the, the crimes that they had committed. And this doesn't seem like now, while they would kill pretty much anybody that they came across, they were still kind of careful about, about hiding the bodies. This is why they're opening up bodies, removing their organs and replacing them with rocks and sinking them in the river. It just seems like for them to just brazenly go upstairs and, and smash a baby against the wall. It doesn't really seem like their style. Now I know that their style is, is brutal and terrible and they were killing babies as well. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I am, interested in doing a little more digging and seeing if that one actually got reported on and if there's actual documentation on that one happening but it's one of the legends of yeah. king's tavern and it's one well, of the it's, it's haunting stories inconsistency with with how serial killers usually operate too because if you look at the science behind serial killers they usually have like an mo and they have like a certain type of person that they kill where these guys seem like they had different methods and they're killing just anything from babies to adults to kids to women men children so it's it doesn't really follow what you would what we know about serial killers it did follow right up with the story of his own baby crying and him smashing that baby against a tree and then pretty much the next story was you know when they made their way down to natchez and then baby crying smashes it against a wall so it it would line up sort of with how he was killing other babies, which is just like, I, I hate even talking about it. It's so brutal, but grabbing it by the heels and, you know, smashing it against uh, people. People are like tuning in. They're like, let's listen to a nice spooky story about ghosts from the hometown <laughs> ghost stories, guys. We're like, how many babies do you think you smashed off a tree? <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's yeah, rough. That's one of those oral stories that might have just been passed down where, you know, someone heard what they did to their own child or. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that happened here. You know, did you hear what the Hart brothers did oh, upstairs last week? That's what I was, they, that's what I was kind of wondering. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and the only reason I would say that it doesn't line up is because they, while they were killing a lot of people, they seem to be relatively careful about mm-hmm. not being seen doing so and trying to at least hide the evidence. But it seems like maybe towards the end of their killing spree that they got a little sloppy with a lot of them. And they were, you know, there were witnesses. There were multiple posses that went out. And I didn't really go too much into the posses that were formed against them, but everyone was absolutely terrified of these guys. So little harp, his thing was using a gun and big harp used a tomahawk. It was like his go-to weapon of choice. And this is how he killed people. And they would also use knives, but it seemed like the main two weapons were tomahawk and rifle. And there was a few stories where these standoffs would happen with these posses where the posses would set out to find them and then they would find them. And then they'd be like, "Mm, nah, we're good. It's like, oh, no, they're, we found them. They just turn around and leave. Yeah. They're, just, they're, they're just like, no one told us there was going to be a tomahawk involved. Yeah. We're out yeah. They would see them. And, and the thing is, like, the Harp, the, the Harp brothers, they wouldn't back down. So they'd see the posse. They're like, all right, let's do this. You know, we're, we you might take us in, but we're taking a few of you with us. Yeah. And there was there was a story where the I was uh, in that interview. And the, like I said, it's it's one of the, his name is Harp, actually. I can't remember his first name, but there was an Akaija. interview. 
harp as his friend. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, so Makaija, he wrote a few books on these guys, but he was saying that, uh, you know, these guys looked at each other and they said, okay, we can go fight them, but there's six of us and at least two or three of us are going to die. And, you know, do we want to take that risk? And they're all like, no, mm. we don't. We're just going to go home. And they did. Mm. And <laughs> my favorite story was the posse that actually did round them up threw them on the back of their horses and they start riding towards the jail and then they turn around and they're just gone. Like they just got off the horses and walked off. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a, you might want to secure the prisoner. (laughs) You guys are sure you're not going to get off the horse. No, no, no. We promise. It makes me wonder if they, it makes me wonder if they ever actually even rounded them up or if yeah, they, that's another one of if those that was stories. a story they, <laughs> that they went back to town with. Now, th- now this one's documented, but they, I just wonder if they got back to town like, yeah, we had them, but then they, they got away. Gosh, never but you, makes you sound so stupid though. If, if that is, it does. Like happened. if you were badass yeah. enough to, to get them and, and win the fight and actually round them up and arrest them. That's, that's just crazy. And then they broke out of jail too. The story is 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 insane. So I, I do see how they could write a few books on it. But they uh, they broke out of jail at one point, and they had three wives. So there was there was each of them had a wife, and then there was one that seemed to go kind of concubine, just kind of in between community wife, <laughs> community wife. And the, all three of them were pregnant when they all got arrested. the The brothers they broke out of jail. The women all gave birth in prison, so they were all pregnant at the same time. And then um, the women kept getting acquitted, but. Again, all accounts seem to point to the women were, they were probably involved in the killings and, or at least they were fine with it, but it seemed that they were also kind of bloodthirsty according to most of the reports. And I I mentioned in the episode that the brothers actually seem to treat them relatively well, but when you're smashing the newborns against trees, I would not say that that is a that's good husband behavior. So I would push back on that report a bit, but every, every article I read on these guys was like the women were treated well by the Hart brothers. It was like the, I don't know. It was weird. Now, weren't so. they kidnapped the women? At least the one brothers of them are, was. Yeah. At least one of them, right? They were essentially at first their prisoners and then they kind of just you know, fell in love with their captors or yeah, fell in love out of the need for survival with their captors and something like that. But there was not married. Do whatever you want. <laughs> there were multiple opportunities for, for them to get away, especially yeah. when they broke out of prison and left them there. Then they right. got acquitted and they went all the way like two states away and went and linked up with them again. Yeah. So you're, you're also talking about the press who, that's where we're getting a lot of these reports about the women. Right. And I'm who knows either way they could have, been all for it or they could have just been like you said prisoners and they were just going along with it because what else are they going to do they're going to they're going to get killed if they don't go along with what these guys are doing and the press is gonna we know the press is going to run with a good story yeah and include like and the wives were just as bloodthirsty as the husbands right Hmm. so it could have been maybe maybe they were though that might explain why there were so many um different victims right whereas like one serial killer would have one mo if there were five serial killers that might explain why the mo's are all over the place mm. it could yeah it but, like- but it also could be more like the hh holmes things where his mo wasn't a certain mean, type of person you mean jack the ripper no because jack the rippers was very much specific Oh, you're saying that they're the same person. H.H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. I didn't do it with you because he was I wasn't. know, because you don't believe me. Yeah, no. You think it's just like I, the milk guy or whatever. 
It's not the milk guy. Oh, that was uh, America's other first serial killer. Isn't it so interesting how many first serial killers America has? It's so just, many. It's just oh, H.H. Oh, Holmes. This was the first documented serial killers. So I don't yeah, know. That if gets thrown around a lot, too. It mm. does. Mm-hmm. Like the do- yes. this one, but this one's documented. It's like, yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> Who then? How do I know about the other one? What are you talking about? Well, this was definitely before H. H. Holmes. This was, you know, yeah. started like, like hundred years. Yep, hundred years before. So, but they they could have just been doing it for money, which H. H. Holmes was right. It didn't matter the the sex, age, anything. He just killed for money, essentially, or to keep himself clear from being arrested. Yeah, these ones go back and forth. So they had a few of them that seemed like they did rob the bodies, but then there was a lot of them that they didn't even bother robbing the bodies. So this is where it's like you have maybe mm-hmm. multiple killers. There's also, I mean, there's a chance that a lot of these were just dead bodies that they found and they're like, the damn Hart brothers are at it again. <laughs> yeah. So I would say 100% of the ones where they opened them up and replaced their organs with rocks were probably the same people. But I mean, they're yeah. finding dead bodies. They're probably just attributing it to them. But the number is somewhere between 40 and 70 murders that are linked to these guys. So no joke. Yeah. This and is, to, is, sorry, I, I want to go back to the baby haunting. And I, because I think we just brought up a great point about how you were talking about them getting different deaths attributed to them. I would say that there's a chance that the haunting happened in the in the King's Tavern with the baby. And it could be one of those situations where they're trying to attribute what the haunting is from to something. And they went, well, it had to be the Hart brothers. They must have come and done this. And then that becomes kind of the legend. So the legend is built around the haunting, perhaps. Not 100% sure that's what happened, but definitely something that could have here. Exactly. I don't doubt that that haunting happens. It's a particularly scary one. Baby crying. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And I kind of went over that in the opening story. Also, the dishes being thrown around. Mm -hmm. I know attic is not usually the place where you would find dishes, but that's also a haunting that has happened inside this place. I don't know if it happens in the attic, but I was like, oh, dishes, why not? So the... If you had like, you like inherited your grandmother's set of dishes and you're not going to display them because they're out of style, you might store them in the attic. That might be a reason you'd find dishes in the attic. It's also a restaurant, so they could be storing spare things oh, up there. So I'd probably store them at the dump, but that's just me. Mm. You wouldn't understand. You don't have a family. Well, you store <laughs> you store your grandmother at the dump, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> yes, but you have plenty of other hauntings here. So there's there's like poltergeist activity here. I just kind of alluded to it with the dishes, but there seems to be two different kinds of activity going on here. So you have one that they kind of consider evil, which would be they think it's like the top hat guy, which they do say might be one of the Harp brothers, but I feel like that's them really just trying to link the Harp brothers to this place, which they did pass through. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 they were there and they were definitely in Natchez. So can't rule it out, but they think there's like an evil entity and this one is harmful. It could, you know, it's throwing stuff around. It's causing mischief. They could, they say that sometimes in the mirror, you could see this man's face kind of grinning back at you. Very creepy that's haunting. Creepy. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you have that one, and then you also have other things that are moving around, but they think that this one is likely uh, the the woman and Madeline. So they think that she's more of like a prankster, where she'll like turn on faucets and move things around. So you have multiple levels of sort of poltergeist-like activity, but some good and some bad, or some kind of jokish prankster stuff. And some of it they believe is is malicious and has evil intent. Somebody in chat, I think it might have been Steph, said, how do you tell the difference between somebody 
mischievously throwing plates or angrily throwing plates? Like, what's the distinguishing factor there? I think all of the plate activity is attributed to Top Hat Ghost, the bad one. And I oh. think she's just kind of tipping glasses over and and running faucets again. Like, like all of this sounds like one haunting to me, but I'm just going off what what they believe and what like psychic mediums who have visited the place. And there's been plenty of the ghost shows, uh, you know, these these bigger network shows that have gone to this location as well. I think it's for sale right now, or at least it was as of like yeah. two years ago. But it looks like it's closed. Yeah, it closed a few years ago. I think as of just a couple of weeks ago, it was for sale. Right. Are we gonna Are we gonna buy it, guys? Man. <laughs> hey, we still have to buy our haunted eBay item. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, we forgot we were gonna do that. <laughs> so after that, yeah, we'll go buy King's Tavern. Yeah, we're in. We're all the way in. Hey, we, well, we talked about it a little while ago, opening up a bar and calling it the Basil oh, Bar, right? Basil Bar. Oh. The, Beazle, the Basil Bar. Yeah. And I thought this was a great idea. And what it's a license to burn money? Absolutely. <laughs> So, so we, we have that trademark, by the way, because we yeah. it's the whole rule of we said it, it's documented, we know yeah, it's out that there. came out. I, I already, made, already made a logo. Is. I think it's yeah. a good start, but I think the name would have to be Bielsa Pub. Oh, mm. that might be a little bit better. Yeah, that is better. Mm. You can keep the other one. Yeah. All right, you're welcome. Right, I will, I, Bar. We're going to open up Bielsa Pub. I'll open up Bielsa Bar. Yeah. I and of all of us, I'm the guy that knows alcohol the best, clearly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I will definitely do better than you guys. Captain McSlug says, when I take Tylenol PM, I throw dishes at the hat man out of fear, not anger or mischief. <laughs> That's actually ironic because he has brought up the hat man. Whenever like, like I don't know if you do this too, Chris, but sometimes even when I'm not sick, I'll just take NyQuil just to have like terrifying oh, nightmares sure. on board. <laughs> yeah. It's it's nightmare juice. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's fever dreams. Sometimes I'm feeling too good about myself. It's like, you know what? I need to really just take myself down a peg. Let me take some NyQuil, have a fever dream, yeah, and just scare myself to half to death. And then the next day I'll be ruined, and then I'll be back to normal. Back to normal. What do, yeah. what do, you, mean yeah. I, what do you mean I had a good day? No. I got <laughs> NyQuil and Tylenol PM are two things that I cannot believe are over-the-counter drugs. No, it's insane. <laughs> what? <laughs> When you have writer's block, you're like, all right, I'll just take some of these and the ideas will come flowing. I'll wake up tomorrow maybe with an idea. <laughs> have you ever accidentally taken NyQuil instead of DayQuil? Your I day's know. over. I did this yeah, once. That's yeah, it I, was, I was at work. I was Try again tomorrow. <laughs> it, it was a deceiving bottle. So it wasn't, I don't, I don't think it was NyQuil. It might have been like Tylenol PM, but like it mm. didn't say PM. It just had a little bit of purple on the label. Yeah. And I was like, I think this is the right stuff. Took it and like within like an yeah. hour, I'm just standing. I'm just standing. At, I was working at a cell phone kiosk at the time. I'm just standing there shivering. <laughs> and the, the girl I was working with, I was like, I have to go sleep. And she's like, get this junkie out of this. You know, yeah, go ahead. Go sleep. I'm like, oh, I'll be back soon after I nap. Like, dude, it's not okay. I'll be back tomorrow. Can you finish helping up the top yeah. hat man? I'm going to my car to visit the hat man. Yeah. <laughs> what you don't want to do is try and offset it with a Red Bull. It's just a disaster. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's how, this is how cocaine addiction starts. So we'll, we'll move on from this. <laughs> move on. But yeah, so they have the hat man. And they have Madeline, who is more of a playful spirit. They have the baby crying, and then they have these shadow figures that they see. It's a very haunted place. It's a very haunted. We think place. all of these ghosts are victims of those serial killers. No way. Not all of them. No. So the other big thing 
there could be some, but I mean, this wasn't really their primary area of killing people. I'm sure they killed a few while they yeah. were there, but they were more so north of Mississippi. Gotcha. And they just um, passed through the yeah. King's Tavern. Exactly. So I think I think most of their stuff was in like Kentucky, but that but was the, kind of, the other story is just as wild that happened here. Yeah, it is. So the whole Madeline story, basically, she starts working at the King's Tavern and starts having an affair with the owner. She gets a little chummy with the boss. Yeah. Can we talk? But before we get into this, the guy's name is Richard King. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have an affair with a guy named Dick King for sure. Like, you just, yeah. you just, just have to. Just out of curiosity, I mean, <laughs> you just, you have to know. You gotta at least look at it. Yeah, you gotta at All least right. see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. By the so, way, if your children have made it this far, this is not an episode for kids. <laughs> So it says, do you think ghosts from different serial killers hang out with each other or are they like rivals? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. I feel like they'd be rivals. I feel like they're not very agreeable people. Mm. <laughs> so, but who knows? Who knows? They got some, they got some stories to share. That's for sure. But yeah, the story. So, so basically after the wife finds out about this affair that's going on, Madeline straight up disappears. And the legend has it that the wife either killed her herself with kind of like a sacrificial dagger, which they also found bricked up. I don't think it, now I read a few cases and I think on ghost adventures, they had said that the, the dagger was still in Madeline's corpse, mm-hmm. but I read another um, a few reports that said that the dagger was found behind a completely different wall. Chris, what are mm-hmm. you, what are, what's the story you got on the dagger? I saw that it was it bricked up in the fireplace, behind the fireplace. With I didn't see anything about it still being lodged in the, I guess the bones because they found her skeleton years and years later. Mm-hmm. Right, it was when someone was someone bought the house to live in and they were remodeling it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They said there was three mummified remains. Yeah, and there was two men. Right, it was a woman and two men. Yeah. So which is that's curious. Which is why they kind of theorized that it might have been the Hart brothers. I don't know if the, the timeline just doesn't match up with mm. that. So it doesn't seem to make any sense. But maybe the two men could have been victims of the Hart brothers. And this woman could have got bricked up. It seems like it, it, this had to have been all the same killer, right? So I mean, you would imagine, it, I mean it can't be a coincidence. Imagine I, I, the Hart brothers and like the woman who killed Madeline just brick dragging the bodies and oh you guys are coming here too all right just throw them in the fire yeah, yeah it's fine I think that or I don't think the, the Hart brothers timeline works out whatsoever yeah. so let's just rule that out but I think it could have been hired assailants who had already been hiding bodies at the King's Tavern or mm. what, whatever you know like see that maybe. makes sense the story the the theory that I heard today makes no sense the theory that I heard was that the husband and wife hired the two men to to take care of Madeline or Madeline, and then the then the husband and wife killed the two men. And it's like, why hire him in the why? first? Why? <laughs> yeah, right. If you're gonna go out why? of your way, kill. Why we need you? we need you to do the murder, and then we're gonna murder you. Like it it's makes the no perfect sense. crime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we won't murder a woman. <laughs> It was, hmm. and, was, and was, then bury them all in the same place. Yeah, I was the police find them. Like, <laughs> like yeah, what are work. we doing here? Like, what is this theory? Like, whoever came up with this theory was the worst detective ever. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> that is, detectives it, it, with this whole case, but people are going to have their theories. I think the, the more likely one that would be Mr. Detective McTibbles is what we'll go with. Would come up with that theory. Yeah, that's definitely the Detective Tibbles. But the 
I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know the, the, the other two bodies really throws me for a loop. It's like, I don't, I don't have a story for this now. I, yeah. I don't understand why there are three bodies, one missing girl, unless these, this couple was like a also serial killers and this or, wasn't the only person that they killed. Or let's just look at the town. It's, it's Natchez. It was known for being a rowdy, like lawless town for the most part. And you're, you own the main tavern in town. So We'll just say Madeline was a separate case over the stuff that we that we said. What if these two guys were causing a scene or trying to rob them one night yeah. or something like and they decided to, you know, and they just ended up having, you know, this is all theory, but they could have taken care of them and been like, oh, shit, we're, no one's going to believe that we, you know, they're going to come looking. They're going to find this other body or something like that. And they're like, now we just got to hide all of them. I yeah, it had to. Up. I know what happened. The two guys were hired to kill Madeline and then brick her into the wall. So they killed her and then they bricked her into the wall, but they didn't realize they were standing on the wrong side of the oh. wall when they bricked it up. It's the most important thing to figure out when you're breaking <laughs> someone up is yeah. which side you're supposed to be on. Tragic way to go. Yep. That's possible. Or two guys show up. These are the assailants. They were hired. They go to kill Madeline. Madeline wins that fight, kills both of them. Mm. Then and she was standing on the wrong that, side of the and wall. Then she was standing on the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you for ruining my joke. I, I stalled for a split second. You jumped in there and took it. Jumped Son in of it. Stepped all over your punchline. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you hear a lot about the top hat man being one of the Hart brothers, or they said someone, Sam Mason. I don't know who that was. That was the see- guy. At, that was the guy at Cave and Rock. That was the guy who, mm. um, Little Harp. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. It, okay. Um, one of them i mean maybe the top that man could be one of the bones behind the i don't know if i don't know if instead of never made it made his way to natchez i mean we don't make the rules i wouldn't rule it yeah. out but i'm pretty sure he was in illinois he was at cave and rock mm-hmm. he was like the cave and rock pirate guy might be wrong about that i didn't do a ton of research on him i just kind of mentioned the the death but i will because i know he piled around with little harp right that I was after that. yeah so so they Little Harp teamed up with him after his brother Afterwards. died. Okay. But I'm pretty sure he stayed in Natchez for a little bit and then went back to Cave and mm-hmm. Rock to link up with him, which by the way, Cave and Rock looks awesome. And I definitely, I put that on my list of places I want to visit. The short list. Short mm-hmm. list. Yep. That's there. thousand places that you want to go to. <laughs> and then we're going to have to visit King's Tavern because we're going to buy it and turn it into the Basil Pub. The, no, I'm going to buy the other half and turn into the, the Bezel bar. We'll just have competing bars right next to each other. Right next to time. each other. Be amazing. So the top hack goes, I feel like it could be anyone. We, we talk about energy being stored and this being a lawless town and all that. Yeah. And the amount of people passing through this pub. But guys, a man named Dick King would wear a top hat. Mm, that's true. Or a crown. Or a crown. Two crowns. <laughs> one for each head they say yeah. they call that something else I think <laughs> uh, that was a that was a good one <laughs> um, but I do but to be slightly serious for a second I do think that when you're talking about the hub of a town of lawlessness for the most part, people passing through all the time. It could just literally be anyone, which is 
kind of scary because now you don't know actually what you're dealing with. It's yeah. almost it's almost better, even if it's like the worst person ever. It's like at least I know what I'm dealing with. If you know who the spirit in the place is, you have no clue what you're dealing with when you go to King's Tavern. Exactly. That's why I think they just try to slap the names on these ghosts to give it more of a story, but it doesn't doesn't really need it. You have a top hat ghost that is seemed to be evil. And it could be could be one of the guys in the wall that break themselves up. It could be one of the assailants, assassins, if you will. Or it could be just any one of the bad people that that was through here. I mean, back back when the Natchez what is it, the trail? Yeah, Natchez Trail. Yeah, back when that was uh, active, I mean, you had all sorts of hooligans that were causing trouble. So it could be any kind of evil person that passed through the tavern. It was kind of a, a known spot for bad folk. So it could be anybody. And it could, could be from before, too, because we're talking about a land that was occupied by Native Americans, the Natchez people. They have, I think it's the third largest burial site in the country, uh, the third largest Native American burial site in the country right outside of Natchez. Mm. So we're talking about a lot of energy there. So, I mean, I don't think that, you know, there's Native Americans that had top hats from beforehand, but there is energy in there that could cause some of these other hauntings that are going on as well is where I was going with that. Yeah, could be any of that. And then you also had Revolutionary War going on so probably battles that happened in the area so there was another element of this that i didn't mention because i was running out of time here but you have the witch dance as well chris do you want to hop into this or you want me to read from the website here? um i know yeah, you take it then I'll, I'll i'll jump in when uh okay so this is coming from legendsofamerica.com it says with the violence surrounding the vicious harps it is no surprise that a ghostly legend is attached to the notor- notorious makaija big harp In addition to terrorizing the states of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Illinois, the harps were often known to have traveled along the Natchez Trace. That's the word I was looking for, Natchez Trace. Oh, Trace, not Trail. There we go. There there goes three more one-star reviews. Uh, Through Mississippi. (laughs) Between Tapello and Houston, Mississippi, there is a place called Witch Dance, steeped in mystery for centuries. It was not only the home of the mound builders of Mississippi, but was also said to have been used by a coven of witches who would gather for nighttime ceremonies. Lore has it that wherever the witches' feet touched the ground during their dances, the grass would wither and die, never to grow again. At some point before his death, Big Harp was traveling along the Natchez Trace with an Indian guide who showed him the bare spots in the ground and told him of the legend of the witches' dance. Big Harp only scoffed and began to leap from spot to spot, daring the witches to come and fight him. Of course, nothing happened, at least not then. Eventually, Big Harp returned to to Kentucky, where the posse tracked him down in August of 1799. After he was decapitated and his head was placed in the tree, the skull was said to have been removed by a witch, ground into powder, and used as a potion to heal a relative. Words soon got around, and when travelers retold the story along the trace, they would swear that they would hear cackling laughter from nearby bushes and trees. Yeah, those guys, uh, I say it on my show all the time. Stop taunting the ghosts. Yeah, don't do the taunting. Just don't do it. Mm. Yeah, the witch Not dances, uh, there was the, it was originally the, the Hopewell tribe. was uh, They were inhabiting the area, and they say they, the, the grounds of witch dance is uh dates back to like as far as like like 500 bc and 
um, it was the the Choctaw people who are like mound builders. That's what mm-hmm. you know, they're called. And they inhabited that area. And, uh, you know, they used the mounds for, you know, communication ceremonies and festivals and all kinds of, you know, worship. And there's a legend about their leader who um, he carried a, a medicine stick. And that's how they navigated the Natchez Trace that they would sleep at night. And when they would wake up, then the medicine stick would be facing a different direction. And that would be the direction the tribe would move in. And he was guided by his, he had a white dog that guided them. And they say, you know, you hear the house of the dog in the, in the, the witch dance. And, you know, you get images of the, the tribe wandering through the land as well hmm. as the, the cackles. And they say, don't, you know, it's, it's, it's holy ground considered holy ground among a lot of indigenous tribes. And he told Big Harp that, and he he found out why you don't you don't taunt the ghosts. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, better to play it safe, especially when you're dealing with things that you don't understand, which is aside, I mean, that that's a whole land that you don't really want to disrespect. Now that you, there's any land that you should be disrespecting, but that's uh, in particular just stuff you don't want, you don't know what you're messing with. And the whole situation where like the patches of grass that would die and they would never regrow. I've heard of um, this still being a thing and the patches are still mm-hmm. there. So that's something I'd like to check out. Sounds like mm-hmm. grubs. Grubs will do that. Grubs are For thousands of years. Maybe this longevity those grubs have. Would it be in the same spot though? <laughs> I don't know. Don't they? Maybe. How far do they travel? I don't know. I don't yeah. know a lot about grubs. I'm just tossing things out there. <laughs> Ghost crumbs. <laughs> this this is this is like when people try to debunk ghost activity and they have nothing to fall on. And Dave just did it. He's like, it's gotta be grubs. It's I don't like, know about it grubs. Could, it could be grubs. I don't know about grubs, but it's gotta be grubs. I oh. know that grubs will will leave patches of dead grass. That's all I know. It's the only thing it's the only thing that leaves patches of dead grass. Grubs. <laughs> and witches. And witches, right. Yeah. It's the two things. It's it's apparently uh, like uh, a real little sight to see like you think of dead grass i just walk outside i'll look at dead grass my just look at my lawn but they they said like andrew jackson traveled through that area and they said like he noted it in his journal about like how bizarre it looked and how it's this didn't look normal so mm. I'm, i wonder if i'm curious like to see prince that'd be kind of cool yeah that would be pretty pretty different natchez seems to be a quite haunted place yeah King's Tavern is like the, the most known, but we're going to have to do a part two on this because I looked up the story of the haunting of Goat Castle and it's a long, crazy story that we just cannot get into right now, but it's, it does kind of tie in a little bit because it, it talks about how the woods surrounding the Goat Castle are haunted as well. So it just seems as though Natchez as a whole has like an energy about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those places like, you know, like New Orleans and Savannah and Charleston that has that history. And it's just, it's just chock full of ghosts. Just something in the air. I think there's certain, we talk about when we go to places to investigate, Hmm. when you go into a house, certain rooms have a certain feeling. And I haven't been to, natchez or charleston but i feel like if you walk into actually we've had a few listeners that have wrote in and said as soon as you get into savannah specifically oh yeah 
there is a difference. Like it just feels different. When yeah. You're it's like you're walking into a different realm. I've right. been to Savannah a bunch of times and okay. every time I go, it's just, it's like, this isn't where normal things happen. This doesn't feel normal. The air feels heavy. Everything's just old and everything looks like it's like, yeah, everyone's kind of young and fun and everyone's hanging out. It's a little bit of a party town, but there's something, something in the air there. I, I guess Salem. Salem's kind Salem of too, yeah. Salem way. has that feeling. Kind of get that feeling in certain areas of Plymouth, and definitely get it in New Orleans as well. Get it, Gettysburg. Oh yeah, Gettysburg is a yeah. good one. Speaking nice. of Georgia, yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so there's this sign that is right outside of the witch's dance, which is posted by the National Park Service. So it's kind of cool, but it reads witch dance. The very name conjures visions of eerie midnights, swirling back black capes and brooms stacked against a nearby tree. The old folks say that the witches once gathered here to dance and that wherever their feet touched the ground, the grass withered and died never to grow again. Impossible. Maybe so, but look around, look for a hidden spot where no grass grows. United States department of interior national park service. That is the last thing I would expect them to to post. I have a theory about national parks. There's a lot of bad mojo that goes on in these national parks. They exist Mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm. And they're hiding something in there. There's so many reports of paranormal things that happen inside parks and people disappearing. And it's not just... What people getting lost? There's some something's going something's going on in there. Oh yeah, like, yeah. We just covered the uh, much because they'll come knocking on my door. But yeah, we covered the Freetown State Forest series about three weeks ago. Yeah, we also, we, we also covered uh, was it Yellowstone that we covered? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going which which the one in California? I'm going to. I always get the two Yosemite. Yosemite. I'm going to Yosemite to get some footage so that we can cover Yosemite and you just read these stories about stuff that have happened in yeah. these national parks and it is it's wild wild yeah. like just absolutely wild not even just like people to people just stuff that happens randomly yeah just the random occurrences we were talking about yellowstone and the hot springs and if you want to hear a really creepy story chris go listen to our to our yellowstone episode and about the guy that basically was lured into a hot spring to his death by a siren. Oh my god! Like, and this isn't yeah hundreds of years ago. This is like 2016. So it's the the national parks are very very creepy places. Yeah, imagine how many grubs they have over there. <laughs> uh, Steffi brought this up. Just go back to the harp so one more time. She said, "Did you go over the ten toes on one leg thing?" I was busy telling Dave or selling Dave. I don't. Yeah, that anyway. threw me for a loop in the opening well, story. There. This is why I, I emphasize that it was a direct quote <laughs> because <laughs> they're like, and she was missed. They cut off all ten toes on her foot. I was like, damn. <laughs> that's a lot of toes for one foot. I mean, you don't want to make light of a murder, but you know, too soon. I mean, it's eighteen hundred. So the that was just the way they worded it. I was just reading directly from the quote. Yeah. So that's that's gonna do it for Natchez part one. There will be a part two, right? Unless there's something you guys wanted to add to this. No, let's just save it for part two. Yeah, I think we we probably uh Yeah, I think cover the we definitely crushed the King's Tower. Do we want to go over some five-star reviews real quick? Yeah, let's start with this. Hang on. Uh, 
I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. Looks like it says Cassie M. Pierre. Anthony says, hey, guys, I'm from Malaysia and listen to your podcast all the time when driving long distance. Love you guys and keep it up. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. That's awesome. Beautiful. Very cool. And uh, uh, Matt Shelby says in chat, he says, what an idiot. Oh, shit. Look at that hot chick near the geyser. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's That's not how the story went that's not how it went in a nutshell probably close though i mean (laughs) slightly a little bit um so i have two from itunes and i think we have a couple others jesse that you pulled up from spotify yeah so those those on slack yeah those are on slack so the first one is from the real leah titled wish i could give 10 stars very fun a must watch i love the banter it helps me through my day and the next one is from morgan the farm her titled the best podcast and this one's really fitting and i promise we didn't save this this came in on friday (laughs) i found y'all's podcast through haunted american history a long time ago and listen all the time when i'm working i love the history and y'all's banter keeps me laughing out loud keep up the awesome work so awesome that ended up being super fitting that yeah, really. On Friday, a strange coincidence. <laughs> it is. A couple from Spotify. Trent says, "I love these episodes." Five stars. That was straight to the uh, point. Cassidy just says five stars, and then Lisa Tracy says, "Hey guys, I'm from the UK and love listening to you all. Love loving all the episodes and the banter between you all. Five stars. So, thank you for that. And cool. um, yeah, on Spotify, you can drop a five star review and then you can leave it as a comment. Uh, so on Spotify, they have that little section now that says, "What did you think about this episode?" I can customize that to say something different, but I don't really know what else to say because I'm not very creative, but you can go into those things and leave that comment and then I can, I can find them through there. So just just wrote an entire episode, edited a video to it, produced all the music in it, but he's not very creative. My creativity. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Chris, what do you got going on? I mean, you survived the Halloween season. Congratulations. I did. Oh man. That was never easy. It's a marathon. What do you got coming up? Um, just really getting through the rest of the states, going through, uh, uh, trying to get through the states before the end of the year, which is probably not going to happen. Um, then next, after I finish, finish going through the states, on to the American history is going abroad for a little while. I'm going to start. Uh, yeah. So we go in Hawaiian. Uh, I'm going to start seeing what's going on, you know, in the rest of the world for a little bit. Um, Wait, are you are you saying that Hawaii is? No, that's part? just what like. That's just what like all those old like fifty shows. Uh-huh. Elvis, Elvis going Hawaiian. <laughs> um, so does that mean that you're going to take a break from the show and start traveling the world, or does that mean that you're going to start? No, I'm just going to start doing episodes in like England. Okay, gotcha. No, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, and then I'll just probably come back to the United States. See, we were prepping you the last time. No, and I appreciate it. And that's what inspired this. I said, wow, I can't go on anybody's show if they're not talking about anything that hasn't happened in this country. <laughs> I'm in you a just, lot of trouble. You were like, oh, did you hear about the castle? In the... Nope. No, I didn't. You just say castle. I know I didn't because there's none here. So, <laughs> very few. It. Very yeah. few. Yeah, I got that going on. Um, my, I have another show, Zoning Out, where I talk about the Twilight Zone. We're on season two. We're going through that episode by episode. That's and a uh, new show coming in January. Ooh. Really? Yeah, The Nightmare Collective. We put out two episodes during Halloween just as like a teaser, but then starting in January is going to be a full launch. That's where you'll get all of my um, original like fiction stories, things like that. Oh, that yeah. I used to put on and mix in with the folklore, but now I'm just going to have a place dedicated to it. 
Nice. Sounds yeah, like you're awesome. not very busy overworking yourself. No, anymore. not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> just perfect. Yeah. Well, it's always a pleasure, and you are uh, you're an animal. You're just you're just very great at this stuff, and I I love the accent. You're not even that far away from us, but I just, as soon as I no. hear you talk, I'm like I would listen to you say whatever you want. You can just Thanks. listen to me mispronounce uh, all kinds of things. Yeah, look at that. I get inspiration from the. Anyways, uh, let's thank our patrons real quick for our VIPs. We have Allison V. We have Blazora. We have Captain Kitty Tibbles has ten toes on one foot. That was quick. Well done. We have got, uh, Dakota G, Donnie N. We have Glitter T's Cami from Washington. We have GDR, Jennifer P, Joseph S, Lisa J, Mallory K, Mike Oubliette Blake. We have Mom and Pops W, Nick. We have Robert H, Demon King, and Inspires Gaming. Thank you for being VIPs. For the rest of the patrons, we have Ambie Rose, Kath Q. We have Chris Connolly, LBPS founder, next HTGS guest. We have DC. We have Don't Look at Me, Peasant. <laughs> we have Elizabeth Young. We have Eugene M. We have Geography is Hard. We have Lily. We have I Hate rob we have jake right. v we have janice g we have jesse's interesting 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 shirt jokes <laughs> on you we're not doing that better anymore we have mar we have papa squatch we have rachel b we have rob the lover of all things candy corn yes mm. we have sarah cook we have siobhan not sharon we have steph a evil queen of the church of the stephanies we have stitch kitten we have the other rachel b we have wahine pirate w-a-h-i-n-e would you pronounce that any other way chris <laughs> nope. okay wahine well, pirate Wine. That sounds good to me. Sounds mm -hmm. right. Probably a lake pirate is what I would say. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought it was a puddle pirate. Mm -hmm. Puddle pirate indeed. Yeah. Uh, we have nine portals, Dave and Rob's nibble. That's tough to say. We have nine <laughs> portals, Dave and Rob's nipple nibbles. <laughs> we have Al Capone. We have Alicia E. We have Anthony, Captain Tibbles, Decat T. We have Arcade Hunters. We have Brandon W. We have Captain McTibbles, Tickles, the missing toes. <laughs> That's fantastic. Chris, I don't know if you listened to a couple episodes, but there was a, a, a person named Captain Tibbles, and we have not stopped relentlessly making fun of <laughs> his name since, and neither has our chat. And we have Catherine, I mean, oh, Christina, so the... This is great. We have Catherine, I mean, Christina, the window blind washing, patchy, bald headed baby doll. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense than you would think, Chris. We have Colby, we have Crystal <laughs> Quinn, we have Dave's Grubses. <laughs> <laughs> we have friend with a dead owl unasked for yes also, you gotta be unasked for these are so many inside jokes that new listeners are gonna have no idea what's going on they're gonna think our patrons every episode they're gonna think our patrons are absolutely out of their mind they are <laughs> they're like, they're like you know you just type your name here right but no we have ghost stories of the paranormal podcast we have hooper the hellhound we have Huska castle Huska. Huggy Bear, Joe R, Julie S, Kelly C, Kiri Lee J. We have Marie R. We have Mark Twain in the Haunted Grape. We have Megan, Mina H, Morgan S, Mariah M, Paul from St. Louis Pork, Sam from Nepal, Sharon V. We have Solar Flare, Soph, the Big Spag Nasty. We have <laughs> the Dick King wearing a top hat in the wall with a big grub. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. We also have Thick Boy Freddy running a ghost train. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I said, said like Macho Man. Hang on. We have Thick Boy Freddy running a ghost train. Rob, I'll let you do a Macho Man. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. There we go. We have Wayne Christie. We have Fujwata Bang Bang loves Captain Tibbles. <laughs> that is, uh, oh, and Fujwata Bang Bang loves Captain Tibbles isn't here for free. So you've also cracked the code and you figured it out. <laughs> Love it. So congratulations, Fujwata. And, uh, Thanks to everybody on Patreon, especially our VIPs <laughs> and everybody who donated today. And uh, Marilyn Jean, I don't know if I thanked you for donating $1.99 in 
the super chat who says, hey, we love haunted American history. All right. Look at that. Ooh, look at that. We're not giving yeah. you that dollar. Let's leave that review. Yeah, we're keeping that. Well, <laughs> we're, keep, we're keeping 70% of it. Anyway. Yeah. Who's <laughs> getting the rest? <laughs> That's right. So thank you to everybody who hung out today. We'll be back next week for another live episode. This Friday, we are dropping our review of the movie Thanksgiving. Which but if you, if you want to see it early, you can go over to the Hometown Ghost Stories review YouTube and watch our review on Thanksgiving. Oh, I thought you were about to drop like a link to like a yeah, I was gonna say, version of the movie or something. Yeah. 3.19 a.m. here in the UK. I think this might be the first time catching this live, even though I missed most of it. Welcome in, Robert. Wow. Oh, that's Robert H. Is that the Robert H? It is the Robert H. So. Oh, hell yeah. Welcome in, Robert. Chiming in from the UK. Love that. Okay. I think that'll pretty much do it, gentlemen. Anything else? That's it for me. Once again, go follow Haunted American History, available on all podcasting platforms. We'll catch you guys on Friday and then back Tuesday for another live episode. Have a good one. Peace.